hope and pray you were involved in our, um, our Sunday school classes this morning. Uh, it was our, our D6 classes, and that just simply means that we're taking the Deuteronomy 6 passage of Scripture uh, to where we're putting tools in the hands of families that, um, that other than just Sunday morning getting together, they can interact together around God's Word and around some biblical themes to help them all grow because it takes more than just one hour on Sunday to grow spiritually. Would you agree? Uh, it, it takes a lifestyle. It takes a living 24-7. And um, so that's the whole premise of our, our D6 Sunday School. Uh, last week I shared with you our, our theme was on wisdom. And what I shared with you that wisdom was one of my greatest, uh, one of my most favorite themes in, in the Bible. I love studying about how to get wisdom and how it all comes from God. And, and then we follow it right up with another theme that I thoroughly enjoy called stewardship. Now, many of you in your classes this morning, you've already studied this, but that's our biblical theme for the week, and we're going to be studying this theme all week long. As a matter of fact, uh, it's in your, in your quarterlies, in your notes. I'll put it up on the screen for you. There are several different fusion facts uh, that you're going to be studying this week, one for each day of the week. Uh, you're going to be seeing that good stewards use wisely the mind that God has entrusted them. You're also going to study and see how good stewards manage the relational resources that God has given us, the people that He's placed into our, our lives. Uh, good stewards ask God to guide them in using all the resources that He's given us. We're seeking and asking for God's wisdom in that. Good stewards also use even our weaknesses to further the kingdom of God. And that's kind of a profound study and thought, but you'll enjoy that on Thursday as you study that one out and read the scripture that goes along with that. And then on Friday, you're going to be studying how good stewards, good stewards recognize the spiritual resources that God has, has given to us. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I enjoy preaching and teaching and even living a lifestyle of stewardship. And what does stewardship actually mean? Whenever we think about stewardship, what does it mean? Most of the time, for 90% of all Americans, whenever they hear the word stewardship, that a church is preaching or teaching on stewardship, they immediately think about money. Don't you? Don't we? Huh? Most of the time, that's exactly where our mind and our heart goes to. Now, it does encompass our monies, right? That's part of it. But there's so much more to, to stewardship. I want you to write this down. Matter of fact, you notice that the sermon notes today are not on back of a little bulletin. I did not have enough room. And so I did a handout for you today. I gave that up to Donetta this week and I gave it to her and she said, Oh, you've got a lot to say today, don't you? And I said, Well, I don't have so much to say as I have so much that I want you to know and leave here with. Okay? Now I could get up here and I could say a whole lot of things. I'm afraid most of it just kind of hits the back wall. Maybe a little bit settles in. But if you can take something home with you, uh, it seems to stick a little bit better. So I put these sermon notes together primarily just for you. Now, I'm not going to be able to unpack every little uh, line that you're going to fill in and all the scripture that goes with it. Or we'd be here from now probably until late, late Monday evening. And I know you've got Memorial Day activities and plans and you don't want to do that. Uh, so I put it in note form for you with the scripture references there and we're going to hit the blanks. But I hope and pray you'll take this and study it. Because stewardship, and here's the first thing I want you to write down. Stewardship, listen, is simply managing the resources that God has given us. And stewardship is the missing piece for, su for successful living. Whenever we think about being a success, you know what you're going to have to include in that? 
Being a good steward. Being a good steward. Stewardship encompasses all of our life. How many remember back when you were in uh, maybe grade school or, or high school or, or back in school and, and the teacher would ask a question of some sort? Maybe it was on the homework assignment uh, that you were doing or maybe it was on something that you were reading, a chapter or something in, in a book you were reading and, and she would ask a particular question on the subject that you had been studying. And in your heart and in your mind, you knew the answer. And, and you just, your hands would go up and, and you'd get so excited. Yes, I know the answer to that question. Maybe you were more like me. The teacher would ask the question and you would almost sit down in your seat and hide behind someone and get down in your desk and hope and pray that they didn't call on you. Unfortunately, son, my son, close your ears right here. Unfortunately, that's kind of the student that I was early on. And if there's one thing I could go back and relive, it'd probably be some of those years and wish I'd applied myself a little bit. But I'm here this morning, and I'm just the opposite of what I was in school. I don't want to kind of hide behind someone and, and, and shirk the responsibility of teaching on this because I know the answer. I know the answer to what it takes to live a successful life. I know the answer to what it takes to live a life of peace, a life of harmony, a life of joy, even in the midst of heartache, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of hard times in our life, even in an economy like we are in today, I know the answers for peace, for joy, for, for just being able to get up every morning and enjoy today in spite of what the stock market may be doing. I know the answer. And you know what the answer is? Stewardship. Simply just stewardship. Now, Brother Paul came up here just a moment ago, and he shared with you the Scripture reading, and I'm not going to go back and read all of that Scripture once again. But in Luke chapter number 6, I want you to look in your Bible there. There are four observations that I want to pull out of this Scripture real quickly. Now, I'm just going to hit these and run, hopefully and prayerfully. I'll hit these and run. But I want you to jot these down. There's four observations out of this particular passage of Scripture that I want you to see. Observation number one is this, and you need to write this down in your notes. This behavior is to be our lifestyle. This behavior is to be our lifestyle. What behavior? Everything that's mentioned in Luke chapter 6 and verse 27 down through verse number 38 or so, Jesus is unpacking a lifestyle for us to live. And the lifestyle that he's telling us about is a lifestyle of giving. Now, don't check out on me right there. I'm not just talking about money, but it's a lifestyle of giving. And this lifestyle that he shared with us is to be our behavior. Now, we live in a world, and in a world system, where this is just the opposite of what the world tells you. But this behavior is to be our lifestyle. This behavior of giving, this lifestyle of giving. The second observation in this passage of Scripture is that this behavior sets us apart from the world. That's kind of a no-brainer. It sets us apart from the world. Look what he says in verses 32 and following. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Look what he says in verse 33. If you do, if you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners, even unbeliever, even the world does that. Verse 34, 
If you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend, or the world lends, or unbelievers lend to sinners to be repaid in full. You see, this behavior of giving and living a lifestyle is completely opposite than what the world system is that we live in today. Now, unfortunately, there's too many Christians that are trying to live in both worlds. They want to live Monday through Saturday in the world system and try to live on Sunday, the Christian system. And, and you wonder why you're frustrated. You wonder why things aren't going right in your life all the time. You, you can't live in both worlds, right? And this behavior of this lifestyle of giving, this lifestyle of stewardship, sets us apart from the world. Third observation. This behavior is modeled by our Heavenly Father. This behavior is modeled by our Heavenly Father. Look, if you will, in verse number 36. The Scripture says, Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Just as God the Father. That is His behavior. He modeled the behavior for us. And therefore, we're to live that way. And then the fourth observation is, this behavior will reap many benefits. It will reap many benefits. In verse number 35 and following, as you get on down, uh, do not judge. In verse 37, do not judge and not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give, it will be given to you. There's so many benefits that can be reaped as a lifestyle, as we live a lifestyle of stewardship. Okay? A couple of things I want you to know about stewardship is this, that stewardship is simply managing the resources that God has given to us. It's simply just managing the resources. Now, every time in the years past, whenever we taught on stewardship, or we have a stewardship series, and this week we're studying stewardship together, uh, all week long we're going to be on that biblical theme, there are four words that I always like to share with our congregation. For those that have been around a while, you probably know what these four words are. You can probably already fill in the blanks because I gave you the first letter of each one of the four words. Remember, stewardship is managing the resources that God has given us. The four words you need to know, does anybody know it? God owns it all. I tell you what, guys, if you get a hold of that, if, listen, if you, I'm going to be sharing a lot more stuff with you here in the next 20 minutes. Somebody put me on the clock already. I know you did. In the next 20 minutes, I'm going to be sharing a lot of stuff. But if there's only one thing you take out of here today, I want it to be this. God owns it all. Everything that's in your possession, God owns it. And He's given it to you to manage it. Now, if you don't manage it well, don't expect more. Hello? I'm talking about everything in life. God owns it all. Let's all say that together. God, let's say it again. One more time, make the devil mad. Now say it like you believe it. God, some of you still aren't saying it, but that's okay. I hope and pray you'll get a hold of that principle because it'll change your life. If there's a message that can be life-changing other than the gospel message and giving your heart and your life to Christ, it's a message of stewardship. we got to understand that God owns everything. And He's promised us that I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory if you put me first. 
according to Matthew. And that was a mixture of Philippians 4 and Matthew chapter 6. That you've got to be seeking God first. And you see, the problem is, many people put their trust in their job. They put it in their career. They put it in the economy. They put it in the stock market. I mean, we put all of our trust and all of our hope in those places. I don't put mine in any of those. Hello? Do you realize I serve a living Savior? I serve a God that resurrected His own Son after He had been crucified and beaten? I mean, what power is that? And if He has the power to raise His own Son out of the tomb, hello? By the way, the Apostle Paul wanted to know more about that resurrection power. If He has the power to do that, if He has the power, according to Matthew chapter 6, to clothe the lily of the fields, if He has the power to take care of the birds of the air, He didn't die for any of those. He died for me. He will take care of me. Hello? And He will take care of you. But we got to get to the place in our life where we really believe that God owns it all. That it's all His. And we start living like that. How do we live like that? How do we live like God owns it all? Here it is. Some of you live one of these two ways. You're either living your life like a river or you're living your life like a reservoir. Hello? You're either living life like it's just a river flowing through you or you're living life like it's a reservoir. What do I mean by that? You're either living life with hands wide open or you're living life with a clenched fist. In other words, all you're trying to gather in is gather in stuff just for me. And, and we pray those little selfish prayers like, Lord, bless me and my four and no more. Hello? We, we adopt the world's philosophy in our lifestyle to where the world will tell you, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. Hello? Let that sink in. Get all you can. Can all you get. That's a reservoir lifestyle. Get it, hoard it up, and then sit on it. God says, I don't want you to live like I own everything. The entire world I own. All the cattle I own. All the taters in the hillside I own. All the mansions, all the gold in Fort Knox, I own. Hello? Everything that money can buy, I own it. Matter of fact, gold's no real big thing for me. We pave our streets in heaven with it. Hello? In this world, what would you rather have? A bag full of asphalt or a bag full of gold? Come on, talk to me. We'll get out of here in 20 minutes if you'll, if you'll interact with me. Don't, don't zone out. Check out on me. What do you want, a bag full of asphalt or a bag full of gold in this world? Well, we all want a bag full of gold, don't we? God says, that stuff's nothing to me. But why do we put so much value on that stuff? Why don't we put value on our relationship with the Lord? Why don't we put value on our relationship with each other? Why don't we put value on the things that God puts value on it? And all this other stuff is just stuff He plays around with. He said, I'll give you all that. I just want you to serve me. Oh, too many Christians. I'm telling you, I got the answers right here this morning. And I got the answers that can change your life and change the life of many believers today. And you're going to be studying about this all week long. I hope and pray you would take seriously your study on stewardship. Well, how do we develop this lifestyle of giving? 
How do we do that? I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians with me. 2 Corinthians, chapter number 8. And the way that we develop this lifestyle of giving is by totally giving yourself to God. By totally giving yourself to God first. This lifestyle of giving. How do we develop that? By giving ourselves first. I want you to look, if you will, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 1. Now this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church at Corinth. But he's writing about some other believers. He's writing about the churches over in Macedonia. And I want you to listen to what he's saying about them. Chapter 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God granted to the churches of Macedonia. Now, pay attention to this. Let's read this slowly. Because sometimes we just read Scripture and just fly right over it and we don't get anything out of it. Let's unpack this one a little bit. Verse number 2. During a severe testing by affliction. Somebody tell me what's going on in the church at Macedonia. They're distressed. There's trials. There's affliction. There's heartache. Now, let me tell you. Is this from the devil or is this from God? It's in your Bible. It's a test. It's from God. You see, as Christians, a lot of times we got to put off all this bad stuff that happens to us all the time. A lot of times we put it off to the devil. And really it's not the devil at all. It's God testing your heart and testing your motives. You see, it's easy to give lip service. It's something else entirely to give heart service and live it out. And God was testing the churches at Macedonia as they were going through difficult and hard times. Are you tracking with me now? During a severe, oh, there's another strong word, testing by affliction, their abundance of what? Joy? And their deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of their generosity. To me, when I read that and I start just studying that passage of Scripture, it's almost like an oxymoron, isn't it? I mean, how can you live, how can you be in deep poverty but yet overflow with wealth? How can you have severe affliction but have an abundance of joy? We've all been there, haven't we? And what we need to start seeing is God, God's hand at work in our lives. And that's what was taking place at Macedonia. And then look what he says in verse number 3. He says, I testify that on their own. Now for those who may be wondering what translation I'm reading, it's the Holman Christian Standard Bible. But I want you to look what he says. I testify that on their own. In other words, nobody persuaded them to do this. I didn't go and ask for anything. While they are being tested, while they are under severe affliction, while they are in deep poverty, on their own, the Bible says, according to their ability and beyond their ability, they begged us insistently for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. No, I wish I could stop. I wish I could take 30 minutes 
and do a word study on about five or eight different words that are listed here in this passage of Scripture. I spent about three hours this week in studying that one verse. It is so deep. It is so vast. But I want you to get this. Let me try to give it to you in a nutshell. No one asked them to do anything. And their severe affliction and their deep poverty they saw what God was doing in and through the Apostle Paul and they begged they pleaded Paul let us give to you let us give to the ministry yeah we're under hard times yeah money's tight yeah we're in deep poverty in the world's eyes but we still want to give they begged now look what he says Beyond their ability they gave. Not just according to their ability, but the Bible says beyond their ability. Now question. It's a question that rose when I'm studying this. How do you give beyond your ability to give? Anybody want to answer that? That's kind of a tough question. That's a hard thing to do. But Paul's not telling us a lie. I mean, I believe the Bible's true. The church at Macedonia in their severe affliction so don't come whining to me you just don't understand how hard it is in my family hello in their deep poverty don't come whining to me that you don't have the money to pay your power bill now stay with me I'm giving you truth here today I'm not trying to be mean and beat up anybody but a lot of times we'll look at our situation and we'll say we just can't do anything the church at Macedonia was in severe affliction they were in deep poverty and they begged, and Paul said they gave according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave. How did they do that? The answer to that is found in verse number 5. And not, just, and not just as we had hoped, instead they gave themselves, especially to the Lord, then to us by God's will. How were they able to do this? Because they gave themselves to God first, completely. They said, Lord, everything I do, everything I'm involved in, everything, everything in my life is yours. I believe they understood the principle that God owns it all. God, you own it all. I am all in. Every single area of my I am all in. That's kind of a poker term. It takes you back to my roots a little bit. Not proud of all of that, but that's where I was. But I remember the time sitting at the table and going all in, and you just hoping and praying the cards fall right. Hello? Come on now. I wasn't born with a Bible under my arm, and I wasn't born a preacher. I kind of got out there and did some things I shouldn't do, but I know what it is to be all in. I mean, it's a risk, it's a gamble. Hello? But unfortunately, people will take that with money. But they won't take that with their own life. Why don't you just do all... Why don't you today decide, you know what? I am all in. I am going to give myself to God. Everything about me, I am giving. It's all in. And I'm just going to trust God. That's how they were able to give beyond their ability. Now, oh, I wish... I'm, I'm going to. And I'll hit the last part of this sermon quickly. There, there's three words. Actually, three Greek words that Paul used to describe the Christian's generosity. 
And the Christian, the believers that we find over at Macedonia. I want you to, if you highlight your Bibles or if you mark in them or anything, there's a couple words you need to underline. And they're all found in verse number 4. It says, they begged us insistently for the privilege. Now that's the Greek, Greek term karos. And it just simply means, or charis, it's simply the grace of God. And they were talking about, they, they begged us insistently for the privilege they recognized that it was a privilege and it was by the grace of God that they had anything that they could give. Guys, do you look at whatever you have as a gift from God or do you look at it as something you earned? It's nothing you've earned. It's a gift from God. Guys, we don't deserve anything that we have. I know you're going to tell me about your education. I know that. You're going to tell me how hard you work in school. I know that. You're going to tell me how hard you work on the job. I know that. You're going to tell me how you, how you worked up through the ranks and how you got this stripe. And that. I know all that stuff. But let me ask you this. Who told your heart to beat one more time? Who allowed you to live another day? Who allowed you to breathe his air? Huh? Who allowed you to have the intelligence to even... Make yourself marketable in whatever career field you may be in. God owns it all. Hello? And here, here we, they recognize, hey, everything that we have is a gift from God. Why wouldn't we want to share it? There's another term I want you to see. They begged us insistently for the privilege of sharing. Wow, you know what this word is? You've seen this word in other places. Most of the time, this Greek word... It's the Greek word koinonia. But most of the time it's interpreted fellowship. And most of the time you don't really see this tied in with giving. You see this more as just kind of getting together. Oh, let's get over here and let's just get through the hard places of life together. But you know there's great, tremendous koinonia that takes place in the giving. You see, the church at Macedonia, they were concerned about the fellowship that they were going to be able to have with non-believers that would now become believers because of their giving to the ministry for the furtherance of the gospel. I mean, they believed in koinonia, but it was way outside their Sunday school or their small group. Do I need to say that again? I didn't get many. I didn't get one amen. The koinonia they believed in was way outside their small group or their Sunday school. Somebody say amen. I might say it again. You see, they weren't inward focused. Koinonia takes place outwardly. Whenever I realize there's somebody that doesn't know Christ and I'm going to do everything I can to get the gospel to them. If I can't go, I'm going to be sure that somebody goes and I'll get involved by giving them my finances and my money because I want to share in their fellowship. That's true koinonia. It's not selfish. It's very giving. Koinonia is really a lifestyle of giving. They wanted to share in that. They begged us insistently for the privilege of sharing in the ministry. There's a Greek word, diakonos, which we get our English word deacon from, which just simply means to serve. Not to rule, not to regulate, not to dictate or to hoard. Be sure it comes across my desk. No, 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 no. The heart of a deacon's wrong if that's the mindset of a deacon. And by the way, all of us are servants. These Christians at Macedonia, they realize that, hey, we are here to serve. 
and we want to serve. That's a lifestyle of giving. Oh, how do, so, oh my, I've gotten kind of maybe way too deep in this thing. But how do we live a lifestyle of stewardship, a lifestyle of giving? Number one, by giving ourselves to God first. I'm going to put the next two on the screen, if you will. Dean, just put the next two slides up. Uh, I think I'll be, put one more, if you will, please. Next slide. Write these down. You need to fill in these two blanks. How do we develop a lifestyle of short? Give ourselves to God completely, number one. Number two, write this one down. Learn the biblical benefits of giving. Guys, there's so much the Bible has to say about giving. And this week, I hope you'll take this study seriously as you start studying about stewardship. And then you've got to apply the principles. I mean, it's one thing to hear it. The book of James says, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. You've got to live it out. I mean, for it to come to fruition, for it to come to pass, for you to really enjoy the blessings of God, you've got to live it, not just know it, more than just head knowledge. And how do we develop this lifestyle? Give ourselves first. Learn the biblical benefits of giving and then apply the principles. The Bible has so much to say about giving. I can't remember if I put it in your notes or not. Did I share in there about the biblical words and how many times they're listed? I had it in there and I took it out and I put it back in. Is it in there? I want you to look at this real quickly. To illustrate this point about giving, in the Bible, words like believer, believe, believing, is found 272 times. Those are pretty important words, are they not? I mean, we, everybody should be a believer. We use those terms all the time. 272 times it's found in the Bible. What about prayer? That's a pretty important word, is it not? Pretty important thing to do. Do you realize that prayer and praying is found 371 times in the Bible? What about love? We all know we should love. God is love, therefore we should love. How many times is that found? Love, loving, 714 times in the Bible. Do you realize that give, giver, giving, those particular words are found 2,162 times in the Bible? And that just tells me that God wants us to give three times more than we love. He wants us to give seven times more than we pray. He wants us to give eight times more than we believe. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Let me ask you this. What did God give for you? He gave everything he had. He gave his only son. To die for you and to die for me. Why would he not want us to, to give? Hello? Lifestyle of stewardship. Well, Matthew 6, I've already shared with you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and all these other things he'll take care of and give to you. Well, then how in the world then, for God to take care of our needs, what, are, what do we need to do? There's two things primarily. Go ahead and put both of these up, if you will, please, Dean. And you can fill in the blanks. I've got to hit them and go. Number one, you've got to ask God to provide your needs. And then number two, you've got to be generous with your giving. Write those down. You can study these later. You've got to ask God to provide for your needs. You say, we've got to ask God? Sure. You remember the Lord's Prayer? In the, in the Lord's Prayer, what He say we are to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. He wants us to ask. All through Scripture, we're commanded to ask. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Do you realize that every one of those verbs are in the continual sense in the Greek? In other words, we're to ask and keep on asking. We're to seek and keep on seeking. We're to knock and keep on knocking. Not just ask one time and quit. Ask. He wants to bless us, but we've got to ask for it. Also, be generous with your giving. Do you realize that God ain't going to bless a greedy person? I know ain't not good English, but sometimes it just makes for good preaching. Hello? 
God ain't going to bless no greedy person. If you're a greedy person, forget it. You've shut up the portals of heaven on your life. You're living life like that. How can God put anything in a hand that's clenched? He wants you to live like this. So He can put more in there so you can give more away. Hello? You got chapter and verse for that? I'm glad you asked. Look back in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter number 6. I want you to look at this verse of Scripture. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. I spent about two and a half hours or so on verse 38. And then just ran rabbits all through the Bible. God's Word is so deep. But most of the time we just don't get in there and dig it out. Look what He says in verse number 38. Jesus says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Guys, in ancient Palestine, do you realize whenever they go to the market and buy grain, they would take a basket. And they would get their basket and they'd get their grain and they would put it up on the, on the, uh, on the scales and they would weigh it and see how much it was and they would purchase the grain. But then a lot of times it was so heavy they had delivery people that would take the grain and deliver it back to their homes or wherever it was they needed to go. Do you realize it was a law in ancient Palestine that the grain had to be delivered in the very same basket that it was purchased in? Jesus is bringing that law to their remembrance. They know exactly what he's talking about when he's saying, hey, whatever you're buying it in, that's what's going to come to your house. They understood exactly. Now what's he talking about when he's saying give? A lot of times we, uh, the, the name it, claim it, health, wealth, prosperity, preachers of America and around the world, they'll jump all over this and say money. It is money, but there's so much more than just money that he's talking about and referencing here. What is it that we are to give? What about ourself initially, right? But what about compassion? What about love? What about mercy? You see, as, as we give those things, we're going to get those things in return. But in the measure we give that, that's how much we're getting in return. If you just give a little bit of love out to someone, don't expect a whole lot of love in return. Husbands, you need, wives, you should elbow your husband right there. And husband, you should take note. Hello? If you just give a little, don't expect a lot. If it's loving each other, if it's mercy, if you're only giving a little bit of mercy to people, don't expect people to give you a lot of mercy. <clears throat> If you're just giving a little bit of thoughtfulness to someone, don't expect people to give you a lot of thoughtfulness. Because the measure you give, you're going to get it in return. Not just money, but in everything in life. Hello? If you invest a little, you're just going to get a little. And that's Jesus' words. Matter of fact, though, I want you to look what he says. He says, give, and it might be. Give and maybe. No, he says give and it will be given to you. Now guys, I know this. And I, wish I, could, I wish I could take time and share with you a personal story that started off in my wife and I's life whenever we, we first got married and how it seems like God has taken us around and taught us a lot of lessons and brought us back to the place we are today. But I'm not going to share it in a setting like this for the mistake of being, or for the chance of being misunderstood and mistaken but if you would like to know that story I'd love to sit down and share with you a little bit of how when you get your priorities in order when you first of all give your life to Christ 
And what measure you give, it will be given back to you. Now, you're going to be amazed at how it comes because it's not going to come the way you thought it's going to come. It'll come in a way that's going to make you so humble. Because, see, if you had gone out the way that I wanted to go at it, boy, there's a lot of pride there. Because look what John Cannon did. And it's not what John Cannon did. It's what God has done in and through my life. I'd love to share that story with you. But the point I want you to get is this. You've got to learn to be generous in your giving and realize whatever measure you give, that's the measure God's going to use to give it back to you. So let that sink in just a little bit. I want to talk to you about the benefits, <laughs> some benefits of living a lifestyle of stewardship. Once again, I'm probably just going to throw these up on the screen and let you jot these down. Uh, Dean, I don't know if I went where they're all going to be up there, if it's going to be one right after. Hit the next slide, if you will. No, I'm not. So let's go back. Write this one down. I'll hit them real quickly. Number one, lifestyle stewardship puts material wealth into a biblical perspective. Just write that down. I'll give you time to write it. While you're writing, I'll talk a little bit and we'll move on. Matthew 6, says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. What does it do whenever we live a lifestyle of stewardship? Whenever we live out the principles found in Luke chapter number 6 in our life, it will put material wealth in a biblical perspective. Okay? Jesus is saying, I'll simply meet your needs if you put me first. I wonder how many of us want God to bless us financially when we haven't given to him biblically. How can that be? Whenever we live a lifestyle of stewardship, it will put material wealth in a biblical perspective. Number two, jot this down. Lifestyle stewardship protects against financial enslavement. It protects against financial enslavement. Now, I hope you'll take these notes and be able to use them in your devotion time this week and study it a little bit more. I'm only going to hit the highlights. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can be a slave of two masters. <clears throat> Either he'll hate the one and love the other, be devoted to the one, despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and money. Guys, let me tell you how it works. Whenever we're talking about stewardship, here's how it works. It's kind of a three-step process. Number one, God gives to you. And whatever measure He chooses to give to you, He gives to you initially. And we've got to realize that everything we have is a blessing from God. Everything. The book of James talks about every, every good and great gift is, is a blessing from the Lord. Okay? It all comes down from God. Okay? Everything is given to us by God. He gives to us, then, then He just wants us to volunteer to give it back. Right? Just give back. You can start with a little, or you can end up with a lot. But, but whatever you give back, that's kind of what God's going to use to measure to give more. I've already implied that principle. Okay? He gives to us. He wants us to volunteer to give back to Him. And then He says, I'll meet all your needs. Matthew 6, If there's an imperative there. If, if we seek Him first, He will meet our needs. And it will free us against financial enslavement. I got to go. Number three, jot this one down. Lifestyle, lifestyle stewardship gives you victory over materialism. Gives you victory over materialism. Victory over materialism. Did I put the reference in there? 1 Timothy 6, 17. Is that in your notes? You need to go read that passage of Scripture. Every time you give, it breaks the materialism syndrome. What is that? That's more, 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 more. Greed, 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 greed. Bigger, bigger, bigger. Better, 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 better. More, more, more. 
That's that materialism syndrome. When you give, it breaks that. And the more you give, the more it breaks it. Okay? Number four, a lifestyle stewardship strengthens your faith. Strengthens your faith. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10 says, Bring the full 10% into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Then the Lord says, Test me in this way, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Do you realize, guys, the only place in God's Word where He said to test me is right here in Malachi 3.10? The only place you'll find it. He says, put me to test in the area of your finances. Uh, test me. Why is that? Why, why do you think He's so concerned with our finances? Because the Bible says where your treasure is, there's your heart also. You see, God's not looking for all your religious activity. He's looking for your heart. He wants to have a heart relationship with you. And he knows he can't have it if you're going to serve another master. Amen? Test me. Why don't you test him? Why don't, why don't you tithe? You say, well, I'm, I'm starting at 5%. Go to 10. The Bible says 10. Now, I've heard pastors and I've heard church leaders and I've heard other people say, well, just start somewhere. Start with two. I don't have any Bible that says that. So I'm not going to tell you to start with two. I've heard co-pastors and I've heard, I've heard well, just start at five. Start at seven. God understand. That's disobedience. How's God going to bless disobedience? Nowhere in the scripture does it say 2%, 5%, 6%, 7%, 8%. It says 10. So whenever I'm talking with somebody about tithing, what should I give? 10%. That's the benchmark. You should be able to give more eventually. You remember the story of J.C. Penney? How many has ever shopped at J.C. Penney's? You ever been there? Great store. Do you realize that's a strong Christian company? And J.C. Penney himself, when he started his business, he said, God, if you'll bless me in my business, I'll tithe. And he started his business with his first little sales. The end of the month, the monies came in. Everything was really, really tight. He said, God, it's going to stretch me to give this tithe on this business, but I'm giving it anyway. He gave 10. He said, I'll live on 90. I'll give 10. He did that. God started blessing his business. He said, okay, God, you're blessing me. I'm going to give you 20 and live on 80. Would that be okay? God says, fine with me. And he started giving 20 and lived on 80. God started blessing his business. I think I can give 30% and live on 70. God started blessing his business. I think I can give 40% and live on 60. God started blessing his, I think I can give 50% and live on 50. God started blessing him. God, I don't need all this money. I think I can give 60% and live on 40. God started blessing him. He said, I think I can give 70% and live on 30. God kept blessing him. He said, I think I can give 80% and live on 20. God kept blessing him. He said, God, I don't need any more money. I think I can live on 10% and give you 90. He gave God 90%, lived on 10. All of his income, lived on 10% of it. Finally got to the point, God, I don't need any. It's all going to you. Guys, do you realize many of us can't get to that point because God knows that most of us can't handle it? We start getting a little bit of money, a little bit of wealth. We'll start hoarding it up and we'll start acting like... You, you, the, most, the, most act, the most devastating or cruciating act of... Uh, of ingratitude is when God gives you something and you act like it's yours. Did you get that? You want to be ungrateful? You want to just look up and be ungrateful in the sight of God who owns it all? Act like it's yours. And God's going to say, what are you... That's the wind of heaven. I can't trust that child. He's not faithful what I'm giving him. He's hoarding it up, acting like it's his. I'm going to go over here because 
Jesus told Peter, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And I may have to go through somebody else to do it. So I'm going to go over here. Put it in somebody I can trust. Guys, listen, I've seen muddy, tear apart families. I've seen muddy, destroy individuals. I've seen Christians lose so many blessings. All because of hoarding it up. It's not yours. It's God's. He'll take care of you. He's looking for somebody to be a conduit. He's looking for somebody just to pour the blessings through. He said, will you be that conduit? Will you be that person? Will you live a lifestyle of stewardship? Will you just manage well the resources I'm giving you? Will you quit acting like it's all yours? Will you quit being so selfish with everything? Will you look for opportunity to give? Will you try to give away? You know what? The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Have you ever done that? Have you ever went up behind somebody at the grocery store and tapped them on the shoulder and said, Listen, I don't know who you are, but God's laid on my heart to buy your groceries today. So run them all through the line and I'm going to buy them. That is the most gratifying thing you could ever do. Or, Tyler, Tyler and I yesterday were at Moto Mart. And I remember back when I was a little boy. And I used to ride my bicycle to Kaiser's Country Store. And that was back in the day when everything came in glass bottles and they just pitched them out the window, you know. The littering wasn't, you know, you didn't see no litter. Sign. Everything, just pitch it out the window as you go down the road. Back in the set. You guys remember that? And boy, I'd go down the road and I'd pedal my little bicycle and I had me a poke and I had it tied to my handlebars and I'd pick up those dope bottles and that's what we called them down home, dope bottles, and put those things in that poke and go to Kaiser's store. And I could sell those things or turn them back in for a nickel. As long as they weren't nicked or cracked or busted or anything, turn them in for a nickel. And I remember selling those back in to Mr. Kaiser, and he'd count out all my money, and he'd give me a handful of change, and I'd run through that. Man, I thought I was the richest kid on the block with a handful of change. And I didn't really know what all I could buy with that, so I had all this change, and I'd go there, and I'd get me a Moon Pine, an RC Cola, and I'd get me a few other items, and I'd take them up to the counter. I'd say, Mr. Kaiser, would this buy this? He'd say, no, you're going to have to put back that or put back that. And I'm like, man, decisions, 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 okay? And I was just trying to buy all this stuff. Yesterday we were at Moto Mart and there were three kids that came in there. One girl, bigger girl, she looked like she was maybe 10, 11, 12 or so. And she was pedaling the bicycle. And she had a boy on the handlebars and a boy on the pegs on the back. And she was pedaling them down. They whipped it into Moto Mart. And I saw them in there, and they're grabbing little cups, and they're going up the counter. How much is this if I fill it up? <laughs> you know, it's a nickel if you don't do anything with it. If you fill it up, it's a dollar nine, you know? That's what they finally told him. And How much is this if I fill it up? And they had this candy. How much is this? Do I have enough money to buy this and this and that? Tyler and I got a little something, and, and it was like a dollar something, and, and I paid with a five. And, and I'm not talking about anything big that I gave away, but my mind went racing back when I was a boy. And I remember taking handfuls of bubble gum and RC Cola and a moon pie and putting it on the countertop at Kaiser's store. And I got to thinking how God has blessed me. And I would have loved back then if somebody would give me a few dollars. So I go over to those boys and I said, boys, what do you want? Oh, we're getting it. Well, you know, they were, they were in hustle mode, you know. They're trying to get it all figured out. They're dividing it all up and looking at it. And, I said, guys, here's some of my change. Here's three bucks. Just divide that. Just take that and get what you need. You'd have thought I gave those kids a million dollars. Just a small act of kindness. You see, God's looking for people like that that he can work through. And I'm not trying to say I've got it all figured out because I don't. God still teaches me lessons and I still go behind the woodshed and God has to wear me out with that spiritual hickory and there's still things I don't get right in my life. 
But I'm striving to live a lifestyle of stewardship. I'm striving to realize that everything that I have belongs to God and I just want to manage it well and I want to give it away and I want to help people and I want to bless folks and I want God to use me to build His... Whatever it is. I wonder, are you thinking outside yourself? Because stewardship is really thinking outside yourself. The last and final thing, lifestyle of stewardship makes you a happy person. And I can say amen to that makes you a happy, happy person. When you get the priorities in order and you realize what God is doing in and through your life, you keep living life as a conduit. And all I encourage you to go read that First Chronicles passage. And that's where David's trying to build the temple through his son Solomon. And it talks about how all the people started giving and bringing things in and, and how the whole congregation was ecstatic. Because everybody was giving. Guys, I wonder how much could we do at Victory Church if every person in here, if every member of Victory Church lived and really truly lived a lifestyle of stewardship. I wonder how much more we could accomplish. I wonder how much more we could really do. I wonder how many lives we could really reach.